0: Hello, and thanks for joining us on Rare Bird Radio. I'm Sharon Weil, author of the new nonfiction book, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change, about how to make change with more flexibility, effectiveness, and ease. And I'm also the host of the podcast, Passing for Normal, where I talk with innovative change makers and change writers about how they are seeding change in the world. Today we're here on Rare Bird Radio in conversation with Carol E. Miller, author of Every Moment of a Fall. Her compelling memoir details the trauma she experienced in a tragic plane crash and her discoveries and recovery through EMDR therapy. Carol is a writer by profession. Runs a commercial copywriting business, and her poetry has been published in many literary reviews, including Partisan Review and Spoon River Poetry Review. Hello, Carol. Hi. Hi, Thank it's you so wonderful get the chance to talk with you. I know it's wonderful to talk to you. I'm very excited. I um, I read your book, Every Moment of a Fall, practically in one sitting. And. I have to admit, I'm not really a fast reader. So it was just so compelling to me. Um, I had to, I, I couldn't stop. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful to hear. I, I hear
1: that um, fairly often. And um, it's, it, it, I never get tired of knowing that people can't put it down. That's a great feeling.
0: Well, it's not, you know, it's not just a memoir. I mean, it is a memoir, obviously, and it's a very compelling story. Um, But because you're such a fine writer, it's so well crafted. It's like, it's like reading a well crafted mystery where, where, you know, more and more gets revealed over time.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, the craft part is—I mean, you know this. It's to people who take it seriously and who care about such things. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's everything, really. So, to—to um, to have that appreciated, to have that recognized, is—is is wonderful.
0: Great, and I also have to say that I love the title of your book, "Every Moment of a Fall," because. That's exactly what you do in your book. You slow down, you penetrate in, and you recount each moment of memory um, as it came to be revealed to you. It's the perfect title.
1: Yes. Um, You know, it's so interesting. I was talking with someone just uh, just a few days ago about who does somatic experiencing and that's not something that I've yet to do, and so I didn't realize mm-hmm. that there were these um, T5, T4 um, counting down moments. Um, that there's actually some uh, crossover or some some of the same language in that kind of work um, that I didn't know about, and that resonates in a way with with um, my work in EMDR. So. I liked having that additional layer um, for the title.
0: Yes, well, as well as, you know, really good writing is very attentive to detail, right? You know, they say the story is in the detail. And so have you always been attentive to detail or did your work with EMDR enhance your attention to detail?
1: Um, I, I have I've always been that way, but I, but I really feel like therapy is, or or at least, I mean, I think all therapy, all psychotherapy, but EMDR in particular, is so much like the writing process itself, or even just the creative process in general, which is so much about noticing, and um, and thinking about what what you're noticing and making connections, and you know. Um, Bringing that to a place where you can understand it, where you can create a story from it, and then um, you know share that with with your therapist too. I think so that together you can you can um, you have a narrative about what, what it, where you've been and where you're going. So um, I you know it was it was the two things that clearly enhanced one
0: another. Yeah. Well, I have never experienced EMDR directly, although I do have several friends who are um, somatic experience practitioners, and some of them use this technique, EMDR. But um, I don't know if you know uh, that I'm very based in somatic practice for many, many years. Yes, I do. I'd love to
1: hear more about that.
0: Yeah. So, but first I w- so I'm just going to finish my sentence and say that, you know, uh, um, for many years I have been a teacher of a work called continuum and uh, which is a fluid movement practice based on the premise that we are, that we are primarily made of fluids and that it is the fluids in our body that are the agents of change. And so it's very much about using sound, um, breath and certain kinds of undulating, spiraling movements to bring about more fluidity. And really the work explores just the possibilities of what it is to be human. It's a very healing work. It's a very um creative work. It's a very inspiring work. Um, but um, for our listeners, in case people don't really know much about EMDR, uh, eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. Um, can you just briefly uh, describe it or explain it because it really is the basis of of what you're talking about in your book?
1: Yeah. Um, so there are kind of a couple of phases. the The eye movement part of it was how Francine Shapiro, who developed the method, how she initially came to understand what was happening um she was she was experiencing distressing thoughts, and she noticed that her eyes moved back and forth quickly, and that that would kind of discharge the the energy of those distressing thoughts and and um, resolve them. So she started um, playing around with this, and Noticed that if you hold, if a if a client is is directed to hold um, a difficult emotion um, or memory of that in mind while that that while the eyes are moving back and forth, that it allows somehow um, it allows us to access those traumatic memories that normally the body keeps very heavily guarded under lock and key and doesn't let us get to. Um, it's a little bit like what happens in REM sleep um, when our eyes go back and forth and we are, uh, you know, kind of doing our mental and emotional house housecleaning um, of the things that happen during the day coming up and uh, resolving them. But this is... But with EMDR, a person is is awake and so can consciously work with his or her therapist to focus on particular incidents um, and try to reprocess them through through the use of the eye movements um, and then talking about about what happens.
0: Well, it's amazing what gets unlocked, what gets revealed. And then what is, as you say, you know, possibly reprocessed. I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it, especially when, so it was discovered um, kind of early on that the, that other methods besides eye movements um, worked just as effectively. So, for example, when I did this, I used sound um, and I wore a headset. That basically bounced a tone, an electronic tone, back and forth from one ear to the other. So clearly, it's something to do with a cross brainwave pattern. And while I was, you know, I I was probably only listening to those tones for maybe 30 seconds at a time and focusing on a particular incident. I mean, for me, the first thing we focused on was the airplane crash that I survived Mm -hmm. and and being trapped in, in the plane. So um you know that allowed me for those 30 seconds to be really there to be present mm-hmm. in that place and then um which was pretty terrifying uh to begin with <laughs> um yes. but then we were able to you know my therapist would stop the tones and and we would talk about what what was happening and um she would remind me that I was not back there that, you know, um, that that was in the past and it was over and, you know, little by little we made our way through it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, um, in the work that I've taught, um, I don't really know the, the science of it so much, but, you know, we observe that as humans, were very well as humans as animals were very visually frontally oriented so you know it comes from when we were you know on the savannah hunting on the savannah and you know that that when your vision goes out and you key on your prey or you key on where you're going right you know we're very frontally directed that the body lines up along certain lines with the visual lines and so we do a lot of work with soft focus of the eyes so even closed oh. eyes or half closed eyes and relaxing the the that that frontal visual orientation and letting movement come in very different ways it's like it's like unwinding that frontal patterning that takes place because of how the eyes lock in yeah so It's fascinating to think about what is held in, not just in our vision, but just in the organs of our eyes and the sensory apparatus, and then what gets released when we actually release the eyes.
1: Yeah. Yes, that is interesting. Uh, I mean, I actually, when I was doing my work, I kept my eyes closed because Mm -hmm. it was easier for me to you know, to uh, stay focused on what I, what we were focusing on and to just let myself go to the, the place, um, yes. you know, and, and not be distracted. And, I mean, I know it's very different for everyone who does it, but um, that's a fascinating
0: thing,
1: thinking about what the eyes hold. I mean, it makes me think about what the body holds, Um Because, of course, the body registers all these things.
0: Yes, it registers in the nervous system. It registers in all the the soft tissues of the body. Um, You know, not just traumatic events, but all events, right? Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And if we're not able to unwind them somehow, let them move, let them move through, um, uh, we're very constrained.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what continuum is, is about. It's unwinding, it's um, releasing these things, it sounds
0: like. Yes, well, you know, not even necessarily, um, it is really movement. It's a, it's a movement inquiry for the okay. sake of asking what is the body and what is movement? What role does movement play in this thing we call the body? And along the way, there's a tremendous amount of unwinding of tissue and release that takes place, but that's not the goal. It's not like we're going in there to release something. It will, it comes along. It comes along as you find yourself moving in new and unexpected ways, literally, Mm -hmm. you know, I've never been in this position before, literally, you know, it's, it's moving that way and it's, and it's all, it's all a part of, of healing or how we define healing. Uh, how I define healing in the book, based on a number of the people that I spoke with that are featured in the book, is a restoration. Mm-hmm. That healing is restoring, even though we can never quite be fully restored to how we were, because everything is changing all the time. But healing moves us towards restoration, towards becoming whole again. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, doing, doing the kind of, um uh, EMDR therapy that you're talking about, you know, there are many different techniques and ways in to releasing, um, unwinding. I like the word unwinding actually better than releasing, unwinding the, the body so that new pathways can open and new things can occur and return us back. Yeah. Return us back. Yeah.
1: One thing that
0: really, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say that your story is so much a story of restoration. It's so much a story of returning to, to uh, yourself, an original self that you didn't even have access to even when you were young, because you know, in your book, you're not only talking about the, um, the, horrific trauma of the, um, of the plane crash, but also of the isolation that you experienced after the plane crash or being separated from your family. And even, you know, memories that you uncovered about dynamics in your family that were very challenging and also isolating, Right.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So your return was like a return to an, you know, to the most essential self, your most yeah, essential self.
1: That that really is um, the case, and and in the process dis- discovering how those dynamics kind of uh, short-circuited in a way um, my understanding of myself as a, as a whole um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a whole person. So yeah, that's an ast- an astute observation <laughs> about mm. about that piece of it. You know. I was going to say that so much of what kept coming to mind as I was reading your book um, was this idea of, of stuckness um, Mm -hmm. that is so often associated with um, trauma and the, the symptoms of, of uh, PTSD. Like, I mean, we talk about depression as, as, as a kind of being stuck Um, and it's, kept occurring to me that it seems like, um, that's a refusal of change in a way. Right. Um, that, I mean, you talk so much about how change is just happening. It's happening constantly. And there are ways that we, um, either kind of get on board or
0: don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, the train goes by or we or we get on the train or we decide to, hey, I'm going to direct
0: where this train goes. Um, Right. I I say in the book, um, I'm either experiencing the flow of the movement of change or my resistance to it. Yeah. That's it. One or the other. Right. Because because. Change is moving all the time. The world is moving all the time. One moment is not like the next. And, and to be able to understand at least a little bit about what that movement is and to find ways to align with that movement rather than to be in resistance to movement. And, and you know, some of what I talk about in the book is that sometimes our resistance to change doesn't have to do with the change itself. You know, like the particular content of the change, sometimes it has to do with the speed of change. I'm just not comfortable with fast change. Right. Or I'm just not comfortable with super slow change that feels like nothing's ever happening. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or, you know, I'm um, I'm really not comfortable with change that I can't see. Right. Which is most change. I can't see it. If I can't see it, I can't accept it or I can't accept it when finally I do see it and it feels like a sudden change that knocks me off my feet. Um, but it is it is being able to listen deeply to recognize the movement of change that's going on. And when you have trauma, um, any form of trauma, it will start it will stuck you it yeah. it can hold you in a place it it any movement becomes threatening yeah any yet movement moves, becomes movement threatening. is
1: health and and yet movement is health i mean change is really a metaphor for health in 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 this scenario i think
0: that's right or at least circulation you know we could yeah. call it circulation that's what's needed often you know when you when you have an injury or when you have a, a place that's stuck, what's needed is circulation has to come in there in some form, whether it's, you know, in the body, you know, circulation of blood and nutrients and, and breath, or whether it's, you know, um when you take it out, circulation of new ideas, circulation of feeling, um a greater sense of belonging, you know, being in rapport with another person or rapport with your environment um, so that life comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you're locked out, as you say, you know, from these memories, um, you're still, you know, you're still constructing a, a compensated life around them only you're not even aware of them. Right to your system can't afford to go there.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And you didn't go there on your own. I mean, part of, part of, at least, you know, in reading your story, part of the success of your story was the incredibly strong and trustworthy bond that you had with your therapist.
1: Absolutely. Yes, because I was incredibly reluctant. I mean, I, I was, you know, I had, every I had the emergency brake on I had my foot stomped you know both feet stomping on the brakes I was not about movement in any way shape or form and I was really yeah. reluctant to 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 get into it um,
0: but why would you be why would you be it's too threatening
1: right yeah it's
0: just was so, it would be so threatening because you know all these these incidents that happened created a lot of pain recognized recognized pain
1: Mm -hmm.
0: as well as unrecognized pain. So it's very understandable and I hope you have compassion for (laughs) the ways in which you wanted to put on the brakes, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just so interesting that, um, you know, so much, there is just so much, um, hopefulness and, um, you know, personal satisfaction and communal um, growth and um, so much good associated with change, you know, throughout your book, it's just it's really a rich and rewarding experience. and it's it it's so interesting to me that so many of us really resist it still with all the positives that are associated with change. and and the fact that we're, we live in
0: change constantly. Um, I know it's, um, and believe me, you know, I have not always been so comfortable with change. You know, we write what we need to learn. Right. And someone laughed (laughs) at me, someone who's an astrologer laughed at me and they said, a Taurus writing a book about change. That's a laugh. (laughs) And, (laughs) And I realized that, you know, the Taurus part of the book is this kind of step-by-step practical approach to some of these larger swirling amorphous issues about change. But I think above anything, I do want to convey in this book and, you know, part of it is because this is what has been imparted to me from all of the amazing change makers that are featured in this book is that, you know, we can have hopeful outcomes. We can do something. We can step in. We can find great comfort when we align with nature and, uh, and proper timing. And when we reach out and ask for help and find more community support or when we really can trust ourselves enough to listen deeply and, and hear what's actually going on outside of us, inside of us. I mean, to me, these are, these are hopeful things.
1: Yeah. Yes. And those, I mean, that hope just, it just comes in waves, um, throughout, throughout the book. I mean, it's just very inspiring, um, and very undeniable, you know, um, that the way that you treat it and the way that, it, that you work through um, the different principles and the examples that you use and the people that you talk to, um, you know, it really builds a very powerful testament to um, the, the good of change.
0: Oh, thank you. And and, work, I,
1: and and the work of it too, as you say, I mean, it's, it's work.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Um, it's work. You know, they say change is a verb with its sleeves rolled up and um, you know, there is work, but when you recognize the movement of change and align with it, it's like when you see how the water in the river is moving and and place your boat in that current it's, it's so much easier because you're assisted, you know, this, and so all of these tools, these principles that I've laid out are meant to help people read the water and step into it and use the current of the change that's already going on to move yourself along the river. You know, and hopefully you're not moving so fast out of control that you can, you know, find places to eddy out and catch your breath and, you know, maybe get off and have a picnic and then get back on and, you know, <laughs> and travel some more. And that is also, you know, what you did. You know, when you, it seemed once you um, were able to trust enough the process of, you um, of EMDR and of the whole, this whole therapeutic process and trust your um, not just your therapist, but trust the discoveries that were coming to you. You um, were in a certain momentum with it and you used that momentum like the river, you used that momentum of change and you stayed in it. Yeah. And you used it to help you help move you, down the river to a new place.
1: Yep. Yes, I agree. And I mean, at a certain point, as you're going along and things are happening and you see them happening, there is. I mean, there were there were several times in my therapy where I just thought, "This is too damn hard. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go there. That's going to hurt mm-hmm. too much. I don't want to think about this." Whatever, whatever you're asking me to do right now, I don't want to do. and but there was also that feeling of, but I've come this far, you know, and we've got <laughs> some, we've got this momentum going now, so wouldn't yeah. it be kind of a shame to just, you know, chuck our oars out at this point and give up?
0: Yeah, well, and you know, hallelujah that you didn't. and that not only, not only were you able to find um, a certain kind of restoration for your life, but that you were able to um, to share it with others in this book. Mm-hmm. You know, this book is also I mean, it's your story, but it's also a bit of a map for people to follow. And, you know, it's in this your book is inspiring. It says, OK, you know, you, you came through some pretty tough um, have situations, and you did it, so maybe I could do it
1: yeah, I, I certainly hope that it will be a map um, or at least you know a suggestion of one for um, mm-hmm. for people who read it because there are so many people out there who um, just don't really know where to turn or mm-hmm. don't yeah. think they could possibly get there. And um, I just want to be the person, you know, jumping up and down in the back of the room with their hands up saying, oh, 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 (laughs) you can do it. I know you can.
0: (laughs) Yes, because your book is very hopeful. Very hopeful. And, um, and like I said, fascinating, you know, just the way in which you tell your story. And the way that, you know, you let us make these discoveries alongside of you, you know, um, when when memories open up and when um, not just memories, but you have an incredible visual sense um, mm. that uh, also gets freed up in how you describe what you're seeing in yeah. these in these memories. It's fascinating. It's intriguing. I want to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah and I mean, it was you know that that piece of that incredibly visual part of the process um, may not be how everyone else does it, you know I mean, that is that's how my person um, and my visual self stepped into stepped into the process and and went with it. Um, but it sure makes for um, a a very vivid Um, experience of, you know, reading along and saying, wow, did she really just go down her own throat?
0: (laughs) What's up with that? (laughs) Yeah. How cool is that? (laughs) How cool is that? You know, and let me just ask when you were going down your throat and people are going to just have to read the book to know what we're talking about here. (laughs) But when, when you were going down your throat, was it strictly visual, or were you also? Was it also accompanied by sensation?
1: Um, it was definitely. Um, it there were many other senses. It was tactile. Um, mm-hmm. I could definitely feel things, the play of air. Um, you know, uh, it, it was engaging all the senses, really.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know,
1: I think giving that's you why, so much. I was just going to say, I think that's why it was one of the reasons why it was so
0: effective,
1: because it just I really um, felt it, and completely, and was able to get you know embody it in a sense, and then kind of work from the inside out to figure out what it all meant.
0: Yes. You know, what we call first order experience or direct experience, you know, when you when you have the sensation of something, you you can know it, you can trust it. It happened. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, this actually happened and your body can know that that happened. It wasn't just a dream. It wasn't just some detached vision. This actually happened and it creates new it gives your whole system new information. To work with and you sure did yeah you sure did you were down in there and came back out and wow yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) wow wow my hat's off to you
1: thanks Um, talking about personal stories um, you in your book um, do a lot with other people's stories and kind of letting them um, putting those out there for the rest of us to follow along. And I was really curious about you lay out these seven principles for change. And I don't know if you want to go through those, but I was particularly curious about which of those you kind of, you talked about um, taking things one step at a time as a Taurus. And um,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) there must have been, I think some of those that that you just gravitated to that were probably seemed more natural to you and then others that you I'm guessing you might have struggled with yourself. Just wondering if you wanted to talk about that at all.
0: Okay. So just to quickly say what these seven principles are, um they are bring awareness, listen deeply, find community, proceed incrementally, align with nature, have hope, and spark fire. And uh, what I'm saying is that these principles are present in any change scenario, whether we're trying to make a change happen or whether we're trying to adapt to a change that has already happened. So, you know, in some ways, I would say that I have both ease and challenge with all of them. Okay. Right? You know, and maybe... The hardest one is the one that I think everyone has the hardest uh, time with, which is find community, which is ask for help, which is seek support. You know, when I look at when I look at how people approach change and I and I ask, okay, which of these seven principles are present right now and which maybe can you bring some more of in? it's usually fine community people don't ask for enough support I don't ask for enough support or enough help whether it's coming from experts or friends or like-minded people or spiritual practice and so in many ways it's probably my hardest one too you know is it easy for me to proceed incrementally no do I have a lot of patience (laughs) no (laughs) do i need to read this book a couple times yeah you know it's, (laughs) it's um it's but being able to look at change that way to being able to look at it like you know stepping stones across the river that you know we always just move incrementally even if we have a big goal in mind and to really honor those increments and and as um some of the, uh, well, uh, I was just doing an interview with two of the guests from the book, um, Paul Loeb and John Weeks, they said, you know, who are activists out there trying to make change in in really slow moving systems. And they say you celebrate every victory. Every victory you celebrate, because it may be your only victory. And so you celebrate them. And so yeah, so I'm answering your question by saying that that um, there's an aspect of each of them that comes easily and an aspect of each of them that is a challenge.
1: And do you find that they um, kind of naturally proceed in a certain order? Do you find that people skip around? Um, you say at some point that that not everybody goes through every
0: step necessarily. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I really lay it out as a wheel because I see it as a spiral. You know, it's, it's that we spiral through these things and um, there's no, it's not a list. There's no order to it. These are just aspects that are present. And so you look and you see, you know, um, the change that you're in or the change that you're wanting to make. And you look and you see, well, you know um, Maybe I need to spark more fire around this, which means maybe I need to deepen my compelling reason why I'm doing this, meaning more motivation or more courage or more passion or more love. And maybe the way I'm going to get to spark that fire and find that courage is to find more community, Mm -hmm. people to support me, or maybe the way I'm going to do it is in baby steps. First, I'll try this, then I'll try the next, right? Or maybe the way I'm going to find more fire is to have more hope. Like, don't be so discouraged, you know, like believe it's going to happen. So so they're meant to be interactive and um, and, and spiraling through. Yeah. 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 Well, Carol, I think you and I could talk forever, but
1: you I know what? I think we could.
0: Our time is up. <laughs> Maybe we should get off this and keep, keep talking. Um, really? But before, but before we, um, before we finish, um, can you tell listeners how to find you, how to get in touch with you, how to find out more about you?
1: Yes, um, the best place is my website, which is carol-e-miller.com. That um, There's lots of info there about the book, about lots of info about EMDR and um, ways to contact me, so um, have at it. And uh, also the book is available uh, online, on Amazon, in multiple formats, and at bookstores too.
0: Great, great, great. And I guess I should add in that if people want to find out more about me, um, it would be through my website, SharonWileAuthor.com, spelled S-H-A-R-O-N-W-E-I-L-Author.com. And, uh, and yeah, well, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. And again, I really admire um, all the courage that you've had uh, to not only walk This journey that you have, but also then to turn around and share it in such um, intimate detail with um, those people who are lucky enough to pick up your book and read it.
1: Thank you, Sharon. And likewise, I just so appreciate all the work and all the love that has gone into this book that you made. Um, And I just want you to know that I'm getting a whole lot out of it as well. And and I know other people will too.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. And um, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yeah, I hope so, too. (laughs) Okay.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.